Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into scripture study together and seek to apply it to our lives. Today we pick up on this cold, icy uh, Friday morning uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And we'll start today in verse 38. If we recall, again, this is in the midst of the story of the the rising of, of, of Lazarus and dealing with Mary and Martha. And uh, what we saw yesterday was that Jesus is is uh, compassionate and grieves with those who grieve, mourns with those who mourn, and and and, and it's that uh, that picture of Jesus as the um, the one who grieves with, which is a comforting thing for for us as well. Now it should be noted that Jesus isn't responding to the death of Lazarus and what we will see as. The resurrection of Lazarus. He's not responding because uh, of those who mourn. Uh, Jesus already knows what's going to happen. Um, he knows uh, even before the the um, news of Lazarus' death had had met uh, had gotten to Jesus. Uh, Jesus knew what was going to happen. Uh, if you remember back in. Um, uh, Verse 15, Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Uh, and so Jesus knows what's going to be happening. So Jesus is, isn't uh, spawned to raise Lazarus because of the death of Lazarus, um, but instead to foreshadow what Jesus brings. Jesus is the author and the creator of, of life. Let's start reading, and we'll, we'll kind of walk through this. Uh, verse 38 it reads, so Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, that's the same type of terminology for angered. And again, he's angered, uh, not necessarily because of uh, what could be perceived as their lack of faith. Um, there's no expectation. They have no expectation of Jesus uh, really he- healing or raising Lazarus at this point. And it's not a, a lack of faith that makes him angry here or or deeply moved um, but rather it's an anger at, at death and the challenge that it brings to Jesus as the life giver and so Jesus comes to this uh, uh, to, to the tomb in a state of anger uh, ready to exercise his power over death and initiating the process that will lead really ultimately to his own death uh, and and then uh, the resulting victory over death. Uh, Jesus orders the mourners to take away the stone. Uh, look at what happens. Verse 39, Jesus said, uh, I'm sorry, verse 38, uh, Jesus again deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was laying against him. And so Jesus said, remove the stone. He says to those who were there mourning, who had fi- followed uh, Mary and now presumably uh, Martha as well, to the stone to the tomb uh, Martha the sister of, of Lazarus the deceased said to Jesus Lord by this time there is a there will be a stench for he has been dead for four days that's pretty pretty fascinating Martha's objection here uh, to the to the stench uh, really highlights the greatness of this sign Jesus is going to be raising someone who who should have already be, begun to de- decay at this point and there's no indication uh, in this story that Lazarus is going to come out bearing the marks of this decay. Uh, 
here what we should see, uh, as we saw with the giving of the sight of, of sight of the blind man, is a revelation of Jesus' power and authority as the agent of creation. Uh, he, he doesn't just bring the person back to life by reuniting the soul and the body, but instead he restores the body itself. So not only is the rising of Lazarus a sign of Jesus' identity and his, and his authority as life giver, it also reflects a reality of the resurrection of the body, what you and I look forward to in our hope. God is able to restore the physical bodies after decay. Now, this isn't a complete analogy with Lazarus and what we look forward to because uh, Lazarus is not raised as a uh, as an imperishable uh, spiritual body, as will be the case at the resurrection of the dead. Uh, but there's there's a there's a connection between the spiritual body and the physical body, and it's the bodily res- re- resurrection. I mean, consider the the impact of this, the the overcoming of the corruption of the body in the rising of Lazarus provides, at least in part, a sign of the future resurrection. Now, remember that that Jesus had said that this healing was going to be uh, for God's glory. Remember back in verse. Was it verse 4? But when Jesus had heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, for it's the glory of God, that the Son of God may be revealed through it. Um, and so when Jesus met with Martha, he presented himself to her as, as the object of faith. I mean, think about this for a second. Now Jesus refers back to that conversation, uh, though not exactly in the same words, at least not reported that way by John. Jesus doesn't say that his ability to raise Lazarus um, is dependent on her faith, uh, but but instead, seeing God's glory depends on her faith. And she doesn't need to. Um, she well, she does benefit from this sign. It seems um, that it, it seems that her faith, as as defective as it might be, uh, is sufficient at this stage in in God's eyes for her to see his glory. Uh, Let's let's read this together. He says, remove the stone. And Martha says, Lord, there'll be a stench for he's been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus says, did I not say to you, again, referring back to the beginning of the chapter, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Again, Jesus isn't saying here that uh, this healing is dependent on her faith. But instead, uh, he's the object of her faith. And so if he believes in her, I'm sorry, if he believes in, if she believes in him, she will see the glory of God. Now, I want to pause for just a second and consider again um, uh, one other aspect of practical aspect of this passage, and that's the rising of Lazarus uh, without decay. Uh, it's come to my attention. I don't know. Maybe it's just the weird things that I follow on the internet. But there's a lot of push, well, even historically in the, among Christians about um, what do you do once someone you love dies. In fact, there have been complete books written about um, uh, warning people not to do things like cremation. Um, to their loved ones and, and all that. And there's been a lot of guilt and a lot of, um, I think, 
troublesome teaching and questionable teaching around that subject. I, I, I would simply look to this account and consider the fact that Jesus raises Lazarus uh, and it's not contingent on his state. See, the, the giver of life is able to give life. And so, I, for me, I don't understand the argument that many have against cremation. Now, that being said, um, you know, one of my favorite Bible teachers uh, doesn't think cremation is a good idea. Uh, he and I are going to differ on that. Um, I guess the big thing is if, if you're listening and, and you've cremated a loved one, I would be very, I, I guess I would encourage you not to uh, listen to the people who want to guilt you. If their intention is to bring guilt to you, um, I would quickly write that off because that's not that's not of God. Anyway, let's continue with our story. Uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, remove the stone. And she says, well, Lord, it's going to be stinky. He says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, and again, the object of her faith is not the anything about Lazarus, but, but rather in him and, and not just belief in Jesus, but belief in that he is who he said he is. And he is uh, the the Messiah, the Christ, the one sent from God. And so, um, if you believe, you'll receive, you'll see the glory of God. And so, in verse forty one, they remove the stone. The next action that we see is Jesus raising his eyes. And I think that's an important thing to to think about here. Uh, Jesus raises his eyes. Uh, again, it's showing this story. It's a powerful sign of Jesus' power and authority, but it doesn't point to him uh, except as evidence that he is doing what he sees the Father doing. And so Jesus is here to glorify God and not himself. And it's this dependency on the Father that's further emphasized in this prayer. The, the prayer itself is a form of speech that directly cor- corresponds with the most significant thing about Jesus, and that's his relationship with God. In each part of this prayer, it tells us and reveals something to us about that relationship. It starts off and it says, well, he looked up, or more literally, he lifted up his eyes. And it's a gesture of looking away from self and looking toward God. It implies otherness and transcendence. But this gesture of uh, trans- transcendence is, is then held against the term father jesus says father i thank you that you have heard me uh, father he, it, there's an intimacy in that word and father is the main title for god in this gospel and really for us as well you know for christians uh, god is primarily known as the father of jesus and our language for god as father has its source in jesus's relationship uh, with God, it is Jesus's relationship with God that a Christian enters into, and and therefore comes to know God as Father when we become heirs of 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 God's kingdom. Um, you, you know, in this prayer that Jesus lifts up, we don't actually hear a petition, but instead we we hear Jesus giving thanks to the Father that He's heard Him. And this communication between the Father and the Son regarding Lazarus, we should assume, has already taken place much earlier because Jesus had announced 
of what would take place when the messengers arrived with the news in verse 4. But here we see Jesus as subordinate to the Father, bringing a request to the Father, uh, we assumed earlier. Uh, but there's a lot more involved. Uh, let's, let's read this prayer together. Uh, Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. You know, Jesus says, you always hear me. And see, the clear teaching of the Old Testament is that God listens to the righteous and not the unrighteous, except the unrighteous' prayers for repentance. And so Jesus claiming to be righteous before God and in unbroken fellowship with him, you always hear me. He knows he has heard. And, and yet Jesus has confidence in this relationship. Jesus, he lives in this constant prayer, uh, this constant communication with the Father. And, and sometimes when he engages in, in vocal prayer, he's not entering into prayers you and I do. Uh, we, we go from a state of not praying to praying. Um, he... Jesus in this passage is going into an overt expression of prayer, uh, which is the ground and the basis for his life all along. He's always in communion with the Father. He he goes from nonverbal to verbal prayer here in order for for what purpose? To well to show the power that he needs for the rising of Lazarus, and it depends on on God and, and not on him. It's, 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 it's through prayer and through that communication and constant obedience to the Father and the Father's will that Jesus is able to channel the Father's saving action. This is why the prayer of thanksgiving, that's why it's a prayer of thanksgiving and not a prayer of petition. And so he vocalizes this prayer for the sake of the crowd. He says, basically, he says, I've said this to the benefit of the people standing here that they might believe that you sent me. In other words, it's not enough for people to be impressed with Jesus. They must believe in him as the one sent from God. And this is a big lesson for our world today. It's precisely because Jesus is sent from God that he does as God directs him to do. And because of that, he's heard from God. He lives righteously. The father is the sender, uh, as the sender is, is primary here. And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, it's it's not enough just to just to be impressed with Jesus. You you need to believe that Jesus is who He says He is. Jesus isn't a wonder worker who's able to get God to do what He wants. Uh, he, he's not able to to harness God's power apart from God's will. He, he instead He's the obedient Son sent by the Father to do His will. I mean, think back again to John chapter five and the healing of the of the man who had been lame for uh, 38 years. The Jews' accusation against Jesus was that, was that he was able to harness God's power apart from relationship. Instead, again, John is emphasizing the, the fact that the Father's will and the Son's, the son's obedience collide uh, 
they're one of the same. Jesus will later say that his followers are going to share in the same relationship with the Father because of their union with him. And, And therefore, his followers are hurt by the Father. And that's a encouraging thing for us. In prayer, as is the case with Jesus' prayer, it's not setting up the will of self to God, but but rather we should think about prayer as taking on ourselves the will of the Father. I mean, think so often our prayers, our petitions to the Father, how often are we praying for God's will in our lives? Lord, make your will my will. Well, this purpose of this prayer is that they might believe. Jesus is acting uh, with divine graciousness and mercy. He's displaying this so that they can can believe and come to believe. Um, verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now think of this for just a second. Jesus could have healed Lazarus when he was still sick with a word, uh, with just a with a word or a command, uh, even across the miles. But now Jesus utters an even mightier word across a, a much greater distance between the living and the dead. Think of the imagery here that's being painted. The word through whom all was made. Remember back in First uh, John chapter one. The, the word through whom all things were made, here speaks life. And those sitting around were giving tasks to do, such as roll away the stone and unbinding Lazarus. The physical contact helped drive home the reality of what was happening. For Jesus, his work was his word. And, and so he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out. The man who had died, verse 44, came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Go, unbind him, and let him go. And Lazarus comes out uh, looking like a mummy. Now, it's unclear about some of the biblical um, uh, practices of, of the day, but without that, he comes out bound. Um, and Jesus gives another command, Take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Uh, take off these these bindings where they would have tied his hands and his feet together and his his jaw uh, really onto his face. It's one of the pictures that we see. Um, unbind them and let him go. The grave has been defeated. This is in many ways a cry of victory. Uh, liberty has been achieved. Death has been dealt with. And it's a great sign of the life that is stronger than death. And that's the life that believers in Jesus share in. This is a graphic sign of of God of Jesus' power and his authority. The imagery of 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 unbinding Lazarus. Uh, it's a picture of victory over death and the and the powers of, of evil. Uh, and this story speaks to all Christians bound by the fear of death, or should anyway. Many people live bound by the fear of death or bound by various other sins in life. And the Christian uh, who is in union with the one who is the resurrection and the life, that's Jesus, 
Um, you know, Christ also offers freedom from that power of sin and the fear of death. So faith in Jesus as the resurrection and the life should be should bring freedom to all those who find their identity in Christ. This is a very powerful story of Jesus, the source of life, a picture of what we look forward to. Um, it's a hint of what the resurrection will, will be. Not physical bodies, but as we'll learn later in Scripture, uh, spiritual bodies. Anyway, in this story, we see the mighty power of God at work. And the purpose is to believe so that those around can believe and come to saving faith in Jesus. It should challenge us in a couple areas. Do we have uh, this sort of, uh, of faith, of belief, that sets free our fear of death, our enslavement of sin? It's a neat story demonstrating God's power, God's authority, Jesus' power, Jesus' authority. And it's all, again, because of his obedience to the Father, as Jesus makes very clear. We'll pick up We'll pick up tomorrow in verse 45 as we see many people believe in Jesus. Uh, and this builds and, and, and emboldens the Pharisees to seek to kill Jesus. I've gone quite long today. I hope you're staying safe in the midst of all the ice. God bless, take care, and thanks for listening to the Leesburg Daily.